Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Atfield. We are back with back-to-back weeks of episode. It's a very big milestone for us, right? (laughs) It's been like seven months since we've done this back-to-back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm proud of I'm proud of us, Chris. I'm proud of us. (laughs) I am too. We did it. We have to start this with a visual meme on an audio platform because the people can't see that we're recording right now. I'm in my basement. Chris is still in the the great big sky country of Montana, but I can't see that right now. All I see behind Chris is a beautiful picture. Of the one, the only, Bardstown's own, JJ Trainer. Yeah, it'll probably stick that way for a little while. It's going to stay that way for a while. So, Chris, as you know, I'm from originally from New York City. I moved here when I was younger. I claim this more of my home than I used to. I don't talk about bodegas like people are on Twitter right now. I don't know if anyone's seen that. Yeah, uh, I saw that. <laughs> but Chris, you are from a city. You know, you are from Bartstown and you've got this young man on your team, on this team, your favorite team, the Louisville Cardinals from your hometown. What does that feel like for you? I mean, people from all small towns are pretty prideful. I feel like I I, I agree. agree. And they should be. It seems like for whatever reason, I I don't have a comparison, but people from Barstown are like very happy to tell you that they're from Barstown, Kentucky. Like they're very happy about like the bourbon culture in their city. And even like the unsolved murders that happened there, that's neither here nor there. Um, No, man, I don't have many words for it. Like I I thought about maybe, you know, at some point we're going to write something for the newsletter again. And I thought about maybe writing about that, but I'm not good enough to write about it. It was a truly just a, a moment you can't describe. You spend your whole life playing, you know, high school basketball, middle school basketball and being either a Louisville, Kentucky fan in that city um, and thinking that no one from that city is either going to play for either one of those teams. Yeah. Um, and then to see someone do it, even at, you know, 28 years old, it, it's like, it's like you have that, that childhood burst of emotion, um, that, that doesn't really come very often for me at, at my age or any of us. Um, now I think like the last time I had that, that emotion was in a negative way. And that was when everything was happening with like Ribbettino and you kind of saw like your, your childhood hero, but then you saw it actualized from an adult eye, I get like, what adult saying. perspective. Um, it, it was one of those moments It's one of those childlike moments that, that are more rare and rare every day. Um, so you really kind of grasp onto them a little bit more. Um, it was wild, man. Um, to see him continue to, to succeed. And I find myself like uh, trying to analyze this team and, you know, analyze these players. And I find myself being much more harder on him than any other player. <laughs> uh, instead of like, instead of like being like biased towards him, it's the exact opposite. Um, it, it, it's pretty funny, but man, yeah, it was, it was awesome. And it's, it's so fun. It's, it's so fun at this stage and in this, this context and in this team, knowing that this is just the beginning of an ascent for him. And like, you know, Chris Mack said it before the season started. He said, if JJ trainer weighs 25 more pounds, he's a top 15 prospect. you know, like he's a top 15 yeah. freshman for this year. So uh, the, the, you know, we are just at the precipice of what could be great things for JJ trainer. And that's, that's gotta be another fun part of it too. No, it's funny. Like I was talking to a few people that are closer to the program than I am before the season. And they talked about how all the, the Louisville coaching staff kind of unanimously thought that, that JJ trainers a pro. 
And it kind of caught me by surprise because you look at the guy and you, to me, when I look at him, I just see a kid. Right. Um, because he's so small and he's, <laughs> but you know, he, he's growing up in front of our eyes. He grew Definitely. up in the Seton Hall game. Um, even play to play. And that's, what's so fun about this team in general is like, it, they're going to make a shit ton of mistakes, but my goodness, they're, they're going to grow up a lot. Um, and it's really easy to latch on to these type of teams. I, I love this team and he's a and it's, part of it. And that's something we talked about going into this year. And, 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 you know, to, to fall on that point. And this is, you know, this team's going to make a lot of mistakes. This team's going to lose games. They shouldn't have lost. And they're going to win games they shouldn't have won, which is one of the fun parts of this type of team. And I'm not really sweating so much the the ranking part of it. Like I tweeted out that Jeff Goodman like put Louisville and Kentucky at tied for 25th in his daily rankings. I'm not. And someone's like, oh, you know, are we going to get you know AP top 25 votes? I, I don't care if we do. I don't, it's, it's not a big deal for me this year. I just want to see growth. I want to. I'm really excited to see who this team is at the end of January, in the middle of February. And, you know, if they can, you know, raise some eyebrows, make some noise, uh, as we like to say in the big dance. And I think also, especially it's, it's just uniquely fun. I, I don't know. Like, I feel like Louisville has sort of, we've seen this before, not to, not to kind of tab JJ trainer to be the next thing, but like, we've sort of seen this before with like Louisville prospects, like, like Jordan Moore's first game, like he, what he had like 30 points. And uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell had several huge plays at the beginning of his career. You know, the, the mantra you even saw with Ryan McMahon, you saw with Ryan McMahon, the Montrez hair. I mean, Montrez Harrell's real, like first blowing up on the scene game, you know, drops 27. And, and we, we've seen that with these young prospects before in Louisville. So, you know, to see guys like JJ and then also Dre Davis really, really, really play very well initially. And and Jalen Withers, we're all going to talk about all that, but I wanted to talk about this on the onset because he's a Bardstown legend. (laughs) And I'm super, I'm happy for you. You know, I was, I was always excited to talk about, um, you know, to talk about whenever Mano guys, you know, we had, we had Dwayne Sutton on the team and went to me, but it's not the same, you know, I could, I'm not, I'm not watching Mitch McConnell speeches. Just like DuPont, DuPont. So it's like, it's not the same, but uh, yeah, I don't even know how to approach it. <laughs> I'm still kind of getting used to it. Uh, but it's, it's definitely cool. It's awesome. Um, and I think with that, we'll, we'll get this started. We're going to talk about all the fun that's happened. We are three games into the Wade Houston classic. Um, I realized I went back to the podcast. I kept calling it the memorial, and I was like, "No, that's it's it's he's still with us." Like, what are you, what are you saying that for? Um, you were thinking about the the, the Dominic Hawkins memorial trophy, which, which we'll which have a watch I, list for soon. I said I was going to announce a watch list. I don't even have that on the notes, so I'm going to have to. I, I I did do some research earlier. I will have three names for their Dominique Hawkins memorial. <laughs> Uh, award watch list. They're coming at the, at the end of this episode. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we said we weren't going to talk about football, but we have to talk about football uh, for, uh, for a bit. We'll, we'll get to it. And then of course uh, we asked her some questions. We got a couple questions here that we're going to answer and just talk about, it's good to have ball back, dude. It's just good to have basketball back. It's, it feels it good. It really is, man. All right. Let's get it. Let's get after it. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe DeVerge. And we're back, Chris. 
we said we're going to talk about hoops. We want to talk about hoops, but as much as we don't want to talk about football, we, we have to talk about it because last week some bananas happened and we're not talking about Boston college. We're talking about the fact that Scott Satterfield <laughs> was, was linked to the South Carolina head coaching vacancy an open job in the sec right in Satterfield's old stomping grounds of the Carolinas. And it was quite a night for Louisville Twitter. And I know we're coming to this late and there's been a lot that's happened since then, Chris, but I, I, we would be doing a disservice to the fans without talking about it. So what was, what was your reaction to seeing that news and all of the the events that transpired around it. Um, I think I was probably in the same camp of everyone, where it was just more like anger, because like, <laughs> you know, the guy for whatever reason why it's getting out there, I I never really assumed that that South Carolina was a, a serious suitor. I do think it's important to to kind of point out right now that that beat reporter who said that has still always stood by his story. Yeah regardless of the things that Satterfield has come out and, you know, mobile has whatever, three weeks off for the next three weeks. So I do think jobs. this is kind of like put to bed. Um, uh, you know, there, there's still a possibility that that interview happens, but either way it was, it was anger, man. I, I think I fall into, I would love to have some type of like original take different from other people, but I think I kind of fall into the, the, the lump sum of people who like, whether this guy is doing this for a, you know, a raise or if he's doing it to, to keep his name in the, in the good graces of coaching searches, I don't know. Um, but the timing of it during a pandemic, while people have been laid off a few d- days after he made the comments about Tutu Atwell, exactly. all of it was just tone deaf. And I, th- I think it kind of reminded me, I think Satterfield's had a few moments. Um, the firm's mind was a Kentucky game last year about the L's down thing. Right. But he, he's remembered that he's at the University of Louisville and not App State. And <laughs> I think this is probably another one of those moments, <laughs> honestly, because, you know, you, you don't get this reaction, or at least you don't feel this reaction in App State. Um, if this kind of happens overnight, it Definitely. happens and whatever happens out of it moves on. But it's not the same here. Completely agree. And I think, because I, you're right, because we're like the 30th probably some people listen to this podcast. We're going to be the 30th, you know, radio show, TV show, podcast. I listen to the, the taxes. So I kind right. of want to frame it this way. I think there are three plausible situations because that, 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 that explanations, because I'm, I'm going to be hundred percent, you know, Satterfield put out the statement. It took him a little bit. So I don't, I don't necessarily Trust And just for in general, the way that the business of college football recruiting works, you know, Satterfield's agent is Jimmy Sexton, who is the mega agent. You know, he is the, 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 the rich Paul of, <laughs> of the, of the, uh, of college, of college football. Um, so have him as their agent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, anyway, go ahead. Okay. So I think there's, there's three plausible explanations here. One, Satterfield was was fully aware of, and you know, potentially even was told by his agent, "Hey, we're going to put your name in for this. You want in?" He says yes. Two, he doesn't know at all. His agent is is doing this, 
you know, behind his back is, or, or maybe is it an attempt of some way for a, a raise down the line, which is, is a classic Jimmy Sexton move is connect your, connect your client to a, a job, use that as leverage for, for a raise or three that it's, which, which is what I personally theorize it is, is that this is all a system and that, that, that Jimmy Sexton is able to do this in a way that gives the plausible deniability to Satterfield while also he didn't necessarily. Okay. He didn't, he didn't say he know knew about it, but they had a, a mutual agreement of some ways that there was going to be, you know, he wasn't unopposed at all. Which of those three to you does it feel most like, or what percentage would you maybe apply to each of those situations? I guess is my question here. For a second. So did you mention that one of the possible scenarios is that, that South Carolina could have linked this information to put pressure on another head coach as well? I did not. And that's, I, I meant, I had it in the notes. I meant to do that. So yeah, <laughs> the fourth, you know, that, that, I mean, yeah. Don't don't think. I think this was like clear, clearly a, a Jimmy Sexton thing, one way or another. Whether it was him acting over Satterfield's head or, right. or him kind of doing it and giving him the the plausible inability, like you said. Um, and I would probably lean towards that. I you know I I kind of agree with you. I think it's pretty pretty straightforward that it it just seemed like a a deal where Satterfield could you know stand up and be like. I didn't have any information. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy here and right. he can look good as, as possibly as he can while still like dangling that carrot out there to be like, well, well you need to do something. And I, I think the most like interesting thing for me is what happen, happens in the next two months, because I don't think that, I don't think that Tyra is built like most ADs. I think he's wired a little bit differently. He's looking at it from a business perspective more so than others. Yeah. Certainly more so than, than Tom Drudge um, did. He looked at Certainly. it as a business perspective, but definitely just for the sports department. Um, so I, I think like in this situation is what happens next, because they already saw that, that kind of like that outcrying. And if you're going to go into this situation and still give Satterfield a raise, it's probably not going to be a good idea. Um, so I think that's probably like the most interesting part of this now that, you know, it's been discussed so much and, and, and kind of thrown around a lot. Yeah, you can't. I, I think the biggest thing to me, you know, not to look at it from the fans point of view, uh, always, I feel like I always kind of look at it that way. I, you, you can't give this man a raise, then come back and say, you know, we like these people go, we're not bringing, you know, we're not bringing these people back. And then even worse, because this is going to happen and people just need to prepare themselves for this happening in general. The University of Louisville is going to come to fans next next year. After the pandemic is over, which we're looking at probably May, June, July for us to be able, they're saying for us to be able to resume some kind of normalcy, they're going to send you a letter in May and June, if you're a season ticket holder, and they're going to say they're raising prices. They're just going to because they lost money because everyone lost money and that money has to come from somewhere. And it's going to come from the average person who buys tickets. So you're going to get this letter that says, Hey, you know, you, we're going to raise prices, $15 more a game. You can't do that while also raising the, the salary of a person who comes and has 
a really bad season, no matter what the expectation for the season are, no matter what your explanation for why the season was bad, you can't both raise this, give this person a raise and then raise the prices on the fans. I think the only way that could work is if you, you phrase it in the form of maybe doing things for his assistance, because then, you know, I, I think that might be what you see. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think Tyra is going to be the type to give him a raise if he comes to it, he may say, you know, uh, let's wait till next year and see what happens. But I do think that could happen. And I'm, I'm interested even then of the reaction it gets, because I still don't think it'd be a very positive one, but I think I could actually see that being plausible. Interesting. Yeah. I, I think you're right. These next, not even necessarily these next two months, because it does. I, I think he would have to kind of have some kind of decision in before, you know, if he's going to leave or, or try to do something, it has to be in before the, the signing period, which I think is like middle of December. You would um, hope so anyway. So yeah. Right. So I, I, I don't see him doing anything outside of that, which will be interesting. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is, it, it's, it, it's such a tough situation and this industry is, it just sucks to see not even like talking about Louisville as a stepping stone. Like I'm not even trying to have that, that discussion, but just like in this period of time, it just really, it really sucked. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I wonder how much good graces he truly lost. Um, because I think there's a lot of people that aren't Louisville fans that, that kind of just follow Louisville and, you know, right on them that really thought Satterfield was glorified by, by fans. And I never felt that way. I thought throughout the season, it's been pretty split. Um, so I, I think I don't really even have my fill on, you know, in full where the fan base, li- where Satterfield lies with the fan base. And usually when I find myself in that situation, that means it's probably split. I mean, it, I, and I think people more this happen. So I now think it's, it's even more prominent. So, I mean, you know, uh, who knows what could happen over the next month if they play the way for or they don't play, you know, they play that game. Maybe they go to a bowl game. Maybe they don't. What if they win the bowl game? And, and you know, you kind of end the season on a high note. Are those good graces kind of, are, are they, are the things mended over? Like, yeah. I, I just don't see anything you do the rest of this season. There's not, it is what it is. You're going to start next year and it's going to be prove it to me. And that's what it's going to be. And I think I, I, I think next year is definitely the prove year. I mean, I don't know. I, they're bringing in one of the best classes they've had. Like still, like it's not even, you know, by average, I think it's like by average rating of player. It's still one of the five best classes Louisville's ever had. So they're bringing that in. Um, I think next year is the prove year, both in recruiting, because there's some guys in the 2022 class that are can't miss in this mm-hmm. community and Satterfield has had enough time to develop relations with him. Talking about Cela Brown um, out of mail. There's a few other guys at, at Trinity um, guys. He can't miss that, that, that would be, it would be very embarrassing. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's definitely still a wait and see, but we knew, we knew we had to talk about it for sure. Any last thoughts on, on Sat? Not on set, but I, I see some breaking hilarious college basketball news. Um, Nevada and Pacific was pushed back to 6.30 start. Or it was a pushback to a 7.30 start because Pacific thought the game started at 7. 
So yeah, that, that happened. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I'm reading it right now. So I that, actually see that. I see that now. That's, that's pretty. It's pushed back to six thirty star because Pacific thought the game was at seven. So I guess they got there early. I don't that know. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't make any sense. I must be, the person must've wrote it wrong. It must be seven thirty star because they thought it started at seven. That's it has to be. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's really funny. Perfectly sums up the start of this year. Let's yeah. Let's, let's, let's use that as an opportunity to talk about hoops. All right, Chris, we are three games into the season. The Louisville Cardinals are 3-0, and defeating Evansville, Seton Hall by one point, and Prairie View A&M, the mighty Prairie View A&M, uh, to go undefeated so far in this, this Wade Houston uh, event. And I just want to get, you know, before we really dig down deep, because as the Twitter folks know, you you are a deep analyzer and you bring the nuggets, the morsels of beautiful information that the people come to know. I want to get your one word reaction to the season so far. Variety. Variety. (laughs) Well, we've we've seen Louisville play. I think all three games have been really different. Um, I thought Evansville was a, probably their most complete performance. I, I thought yesterday was a worse performance. Um, defensively, probably, you know, 70, 75% of the game. I thought they were really bad. And then Seton Hall was probably a mixture of both. Um, you saw the sluggishness. Um, I think the most important thing for me was that you saw in both games, the past two games, um, that if Louisville comes out sleepy or sluggish, there are players on their t- on the team that they can look to to kind of pick them up. Um, in the Seton Hall game, it was David Johnson. Um, I think he got a, an, a rebound, an assist, and a made three, mm-hmm. in like a you know a two minute span, which doesn't really show right. up a lot in the box score, but little things that mattered. And then I think the other night um, it was Carleek with a few assists, a few buckets. Um, Dre Davis made some big plays to kind of get things going in a, in a new direction and in a positive direction. So yeah, that was one of the biggest questions for me coming into the season is that there were so many times last year. I don't I don't think people really remember it um, because it kind of just became expected, but there were so many times last year where Jordan Moore, Ryan, the man, or Dwayne Sutton would hit a big shot when, you know, you're playing a lesser opponent. It's a 10 to two and you start out slow and they kind of get things going again. And, uh, you know, I was curious who would be that, that player on this team. And we saw it the last two games. So that was nice, but yeah, variety. There's been a lot of different ways Louisville's played a lot of different ways they've looked and, you know, it's exciting. It's cool. Kind of got a good feel for who they are through three games, which is nice. I think that's a great answer. Uh, a variety. You're absolutely right there. You, and, and, and not just variety in, you know, you know, styles of play, but just, you know, we've seen, especially the newcomers who can come to the table, who can show up. And, and you know, this team is, is very thin. Like I, I, I don't know sometimes mm-hmm. if when we're watching, we're noticing just how thin they are. I mean, you're, especially at the guard position, right. You know, you're now, you know, we're missing Samuel Williamson. We're missing, um, we're missing Nickelberry. We're missing Meneland and we're missing Malik Williams. And, you know, those are all, those are, those are four guys that were supposed to favor pretty heavily. Not, I mean, not, I mean, some heavily, but, but they were all going to be contributors to this team. Um, so I, I think for me, the, the, the single word I'm seeing is, and this is, this is probably a little more broad than yours and a little more metaphorical is, is optimism, optimism, not <laughs> just not, I, I was a little concerned that this team was going to fold 
especially in that in that in in that Seton Hall game. And and I saw some people saying, oh, you know, they lose that game nine times out of 10 last season. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I did not expect if you had told me that Louisville was going to be where they were with two minutes left in that game with five minutes left in that game, that they were going to win it given who was left on the floor, right. you know, losing Samuel Williamson. I was fully prepared to lose that game from that point. And you were seeing some of the same stuff. You, uh, I, I cannot pronounce his name, but, but Sandro uh, the, the, from Seton Hall, just absolutely annihilating this team. And like, this is, this was mm-hmm. what's going to happen. You know, you know, a, a, a kind of a, a nifty front court player is going to be able to outplay this very inexperienced front line. And then you saw guys like JJ trainer, Dre Davis and, and to a lesser extent in that game, Jalen Withers, but he did so in that prayer, you know, the, the, the prayer view game, you know, step up to the plate. And, and that gave me a level of optimism and, and some signs for initial growth that we should be looking for down the line. No, I think the, it's, it's kind of important to, you know, kind of put that to perspective with other teams because we're not used to having such a young team at Louisville, but they yeah. are very young, especially the people on the floor and having to just on the fly without Samuel Williamson even makes it more impressive. And you can look at a team like Kentucky and who, who played Richmond, who I don't want to compare Richmond to Seton Hall because I do think Richmond is really good and yes. I think they're better than Seton Hall, but they, you know, they get their first test of a veteran team and they lose, they lose pretty comfortably. And a lot of that was because these guys are veterans that have seen the plays, the way they play, the moves they make, the things they do, and they've seen it before. And, you know, they go up against it and they don't that that first play that they do doesn't work and they get frustrated and they settle. They, they shoot three pointers. They do things like that. So it was good to see Louisville do that against, you know, maybe a fringe NCAA tournament team. I don't know. It depends on what kind of happens on the stretch of if. Seton Hall gets aching back, whether they can make the NCAA tournament, but to do it against a team that, that is an older team was impressive, especially losing, you know, one of the veterans, I say that lightly because he's a, a junior, but one of the veterans on your team, it, it's weird for, for Louisville fans to kind of realize how young this team is definitely, and to put all that in perspective. So I, I think it's really important to point that out because sometimes I don't realize it. No, definitely. And, and it's something we're going to be learning and, and you know, they're They're going to, there's going to be games like that's eaten all game that they're going to lose. It's just, just the way yeah. that it's going to happen. And, and that's something, you know, the patience, that's why I said optimism because, because I was worried it was going to take a little bit longer for, for that type of good stuff, those flashes to come. Mm-hmm. And they came pretty early. Um, I, I want to, you know, I, I don't think you can talk about this team very long without talking about Carly William, Carly Jones, who you know, the hype was, was pretty high going into the season higher than I think most Louisville fans expected it to be at, at, you know, entering the season, but he's surpassed it. He has, he has been tremendous. I know you've got some stats, but he's, he's just, I, I want to talk about how good of a leader he's been and stepped in and, you know, we'll talk about David Johnson a little bit. You know, a lot of people thought David Johnson would maybe take some of that role, but, but, but Carly, cause he's already proving to be, you know, definitely the best grad transfer since uh, since Damian Lee. And and I think if we're talking about current project trajectory could definitely surpass him. So, Chris, what, what are you seeing with Carly Jones? I think the biggest thing that I didn't haven't looked at it since the, the Prairie View game. I didn't look at it after that but before coming into that game through two games. Um, 75 percent of the buckets or assists in the half court came from Carly Jones. 75%, which to me, 
you know, the dude's playing 40 minutes a game. That can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. Um, <laughs> but to insert yourself into an offense that quickly over summer, um, you know, and kind of surpass so a guy like David Johnson, that's, that's super impressive. Um, the other thing that stood out that I kind of tweeted out before we started was just how effective he's been in the pick and row. Um, that's became, to me, it's been, became quite obvious that that's going to be like the, the major driver of the offense. I think it's about 35% of the 35% of their sets. Um, last year was about 18% because they had a lot more shooters. They mm-hmm. probably spread it out a lot more. Um, but yeah, he's shooting 60% on pick and roll situations, a great deal of assists on pick and roll situations. Um, he's already had assists to like eight or nine dudes. Um, which is, I don't know that I think that's like the, the, the cool thing for me is if you watch like his stat line throughout a game, he never really like starting out a game. He rarely has an assist to like the same guy back to back. Like he's very good at getting multiple guys involved early in the game. Um, even if they're not making those shots, they're, they're getting good looks. And I think that that's like the non like quantifiable thing. Um, that's kind of stuck out to me the most is just how, able he has been he's, he's a really good passer we talk about david johnson how good of a passer he is and he had that pass in the second half of, of the prairie view game where i was just like oh my lord uh the the bounce pass yeah yeah i think it was to carly jones across the corner it was ridiculous um but carly jones has a very good vision too um and, and i think it's shown a lot so far in this season yeah and and like even i think keying in on the seton hall game is the court because the biggest issue people the biggest thing people were concerned of carly jones is going to be the step up of, of competition you know uh you know coming from Radford, you know, uh, they're in the big South, I believe. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're in the big South, you know, coming from the big South to the ACC is it's a jump. It's a leap. And, and not every, uh, grad transfer can, can, can manage that leap effectively. So, so seeing him do what he did against Seton Hall, you know, it was uh, offensive rating wise, his weakest game, you know, but still to drop 18 points, um, you know, get to the line, but yeah, get, you know, you know, excuse me, he was six of 16, you know, still shooting 38%, you know, getting to the line, getting, shooting seven shots, uh, got 11 rebounds against a a longer team. You know, they're, they're not the longest team, but they're, they're longer than average. Um, only turning the ball over two times, uh, you know, getting one steal. He's not been fouling either. He's not really been chasing. He's he's been very, he adds, uh, and, and what I, I really think the great point guard. So he just adds a level of settled of comfort, to the offense and, and to the, to, you know, defense as well. And just an understanding that the ball is safe in his hands and the ball is, um, you know, he's going to be able to create something and, and, and he's so quick on the fly. I, there's been so many different um, people who have, who have noticed, you know, you know, both locally and nationally, just how well he's able to, to, to deal in the lane. If there's an opportunity for him where the, the pocket collapses, you find somebody it's great in the pick and roll, but also being able to make moves when four people are closing in on him and get back to the rim. It's just, it's, it's very impressive. And I knew that he was the guy to watch, but I did not expect him to surpass my expectations so quickly. And I'm so excited to see him play for the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's six one and he's, and a seventh, eighth in the country in rebounds per game. It's like he's nuts. tied with he he was tied with Luke Garza at one point. I think like the the next part of his game that I would like to see um, develop a little bit more because I know he has it in him is being a more reliable perimeter shooter because I think this team is going to need that more and more and more. I've seen like there was a moment 
against Seton Hall. I don't even know exactly when it was, but I think people were trying to sort of treat Quinn Slezinski like a shooter, but they're not quite sure whether he can shoot like that. <laughs> like you can see a guy be like, is that guy a shooter or not? Like he's only made two threes in the season, but you can kind of see in his stroke that you, you know, he can become that guy. So I, I think getting another guy like that, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be huge from Carly because he's probably, it looks like he's going to be the primary guy on the ball. Um, but I, I would like to see, he had a lot of range at Rafford and he knocked down a lot of like deep three pointers. Yeah, so I would like yeah. to see him maybe take a few more game um, just to see if we can't kind of unwrap that part of his game at the next level too. But yeah, yeah he's, he's it's, only it's, taking, it's hard to really knock him. He's only taken five so far. Uh, I think that's where losing Samuel Williamson hurts him so much too, because that that's just another, another points outlet. And, you know, you know, Samuel had, I think he had 19 in the first game against Evansville. You know, he, he, he looked, he, he looked the part of big Sam. He looked the part. So I was so <laughs> yeah. bummed to lose him in, in Seton Hall, but hopefully he's back pretty quickly with a, a, a quote dislocated toe. Um, says he's day to day. I don't, doesn't seem like he's going to play tomorrow against Western, but we'll see uh, if he comes back later this week, maybe hopefully at least against Wisconsin. I think uh, that would be a proper probably timeline for you. Yeah, I think I, I think you can you can safely assume he they give him the rest of this week off. Um, so let's talk about the other part of this of this uh, of this backcourt, this elite backcourt, um, and that's David Johnson, who who came into this season, you know. With some expectations, uh, I saw a draft, uh, a, a mock draft just before the season tipped off, had him at 21st, I believe it was on the, the athletic. Um, the difference for him this season was always going to be shooting, which he's not unfortunately done that great of a job yet. It doesn't, it's not immediately clear to me that he had a jumper and even worse, it doesn't seem like he's done better since that Evansville game, but he looked really bad in terms of the old habit of fouling. I mean, he fouled out a couple times last season and, um, and he, it seems like he, he got in foul trouble pretty early against Evansville, even though some of the calls were a little, a little ticky tack. If you ask me, uh, what's, what's been your initial thoughts on, on David Johnson this year? Before we jump into that conversation, I need you to check the DM I just sent you really quickly because there's an important mask announcement that's happening right now. Um, Rick Bettino, they just posted a photo of my man, Ricky The Maroon Maniacs. Wearing a mask with a quarter zip up, shirt and tie. Oh, man. He's back, baby. (laughs) He's back. That is a powerful picture right there. Do you see it? The Gales, man. The Do you have it up? It's I have it up. The, the Mar- that's a powerful picture. Right the Gales, now. the Gales logo is like at least a third of the mask, closer to a half of the mask. <laughs> I really respect it. You know, he's he doesn't want to be he's playing. Be, he's right about now. to give. He's about to give Kevin Willard an L tonight. Let's get it. Um, no, back to David Johnson though. Um, if you ask me if I'm concerned about him, the answer is no. I'm not concerned at all. <laughs> I, I think, I think he's getting used to playing off the ball. Um, I think something that really didn't get any discussion at all. And I went back and looked at um, the lunch, the lunch tip in quotes because someone mentioned that they talked about it, but at the beginning of the season, Chris Mack kind of talked about that. Carly Jones is going to be the point guard of this team and no one just ever really discussed it. Kind of just went over everyone's head. Hmm. And I think that's happening right now. And, you know, David's just getting used to it. Um, he's, 
never been one of those guys who really affects his game with scoring. I don't think that's never been his primary thing. You don't look at him as a scorer. You just look at him as a creator, a guy who affects the game with blocks, passing, rebounds, different things. So when you take the ball out of his hands, you're probably going to feel it a little bit more. And I think that's what's happening. Um, and, you know, he had he had 18 last game, right? He had, he had 18 points against Perry, 19. 19 against Perry. So he kind of, you know, yeah. it, it really didn't feel like that at all. I didn't, no, it didn't. you know, look down and feel like he, he scored 19 points, but, but he, had six he did, you know, kind of got the scoring back. So I think he's just getting used to it. Um, you know, I, I think what's interesting for me is if you want to look at him as a point guard or a two guard at the next level, if you're looking at him as a two guard, I think he needs to continue improving his shot. That's the biggest leap, you know, he needs to make, but I'm not concerned. I think it's just, I, you know, I have some stats a little bit, but I don't even really want to throw them out quite yet because it's just so early. <laughs> it's so early. Some of, this, some of this stuff's flawed, so I've been really hesitating to, to, to even do that. But um, so, so, Okay, so you're not concerned about – you're not concerned about David Johnson, but sort of an alternate but related question. Do you feel like – what do you think so far three, you know, we're three games in, do you think that the best version of this Louisville basketball team is with both of these guys playing very well or somewhat equally well, or one of the two being the lead guard? I, I think Carly Jones is the lead guard. Okay. Honestly. Okay. Um, and that's also but, just a change with three, three games in, but yeah. <laughs> but there, but the the only reason I think that it is because I've seen how much of a scorer he's been out of the pick and row offense. And if that's like the offense that, that, you know, Chris Mack wants to gravitate, I think the reason he wants to gravitate towards that more this year is because he has those rangy bigs that can move around in a situation like that. Whereas you don't have Jordan Moore, Ryan man, Dwayne Sutton, all these shooters on the floor and you kind of want to spread them out a little bit more. You want to get shots in the mid range area. I feel like a little bit more with this team because you have a lot of like smooth mid range scores. So I think that's why they're gravitating towards that type of offense. If you want to not play that, Sal, then I think it gets a little bit more complicated because I mean, we spent an entire season last year, just draw dropping at David Johnson's passing. Yeah. When you take him off the ball, you lose some of that. Yeah. Do you really, do you really want to do that? I mean, so I think right now, because it puts so much pressure on the, the defense to put a guy like Jalen Withers and a guy like Carly Jones in the high pick and row and say, you know, what is the big man going to do? Is he going to attack Carly? Okay. Jalen Weathers can move really quickly and wherever he puts a pass, he's going to get to the rim. Right. He's not, you can drop off on him and Carly can make you pay. He's a better shooter right now than David Johnson. So I think that's, that's the way I look at it right now. If you want to run the offense a little bit differently, then maybe the answer changes. I think that, I think that's a, that's a good answer. <laughs> How do you feel? I, I, don't, I don't get the sense that you agree with me much. I, I mean, I think, I think the issue is, I think, I think having Carly there almost kind of shows off the limitations of David, not having a shot. And I'm not initially seeing what I feel like I wanted to see about, you know, David said he worked on his shot. They, they, he knew that's what he needed to have going into this game. And I'm not, I'm not seeing it initially. So that, and it's early, it's definitely early, but it's something that concerns me. And I know it was just one game, but just seeing him get into foul trouble in the very first game, like it, it just, it, 
I shouldn't buy into it as much as I did, but that was like, that was like, man, did he like, that was like his number one thing he did bad. <laughs> you know, he, it's he, like he, that, that was, the, <laughs> go ahead. He did follow it up though. And he played 20 minutes the first half against Prairieville and had, he had did. Perry, Prairieville, Prairie View and had no fouls in the first half. I he did. He you're you're absolutely, I think he, he only had two uh, looking at it here. Um, I'm sorry. He only had one foul. Uh, so uh, he did, it just, it was, but even those, it was one of those first impression things that just kind of just bugged me. Even though, and that's something I've kind of like try to butt in and mention every once in a while is even those things are exacerbated by not having just a warm body that can play point guard. Right. Right. Like just give me Josh Nickelberry to play eight minutes a game and not turn the ball over. That's all. That's, that's all I want. Like you don't need a a lot, but I think some of those fouls, I, I don't even know when they occurred, but some of those fouls happen because of fatigue too. Definitely. I mean, a guy passes you and you don't want to chase him down. So you grab him like the, those things happen. So, um, and maybe, you know, using David Johnson as like the lead guard is kind of a counter to do during an in-game situation to where teams are slowing down Carly Jones in the pick and row. They're doing something. And then you can put David Johnson at point guard. And I don't want to say open up the floor more, but maybe you give the game a different look. Um, but you know, I, I think it's a really good argument because I, I do think that, that David Johnson is on the service, a better passer, Carly Jones, right. But he, I don't think he's even close to being a better scorer. So what do you want at point guard? Do you want a better passer? Do you right. want a better scorer? I, I don't know. I think you can make an argument both ways. It's it's going to be really interesting. I think I, I, I think we could have this exact same discussion every week and it would be completely different. So I, I'm yeah, really interested. Sure. I don't I don't want anyone to listen to this. Like, oh, you know, these these guys think this, these guys think that because this is, again, three games in the season. And I, I it's it's going to be funny, especially after they lose games and they're going to lose. Games. <laughs> It's going to be like, well, it's going to be really hot takes about the that. very first calls. I mean, Chris Mack has to make David Johnson the one. I mean, remember how many calls we got about that last season? And, and, and that's, then, but the, we haven't but even the gotten other part to that of stage, it, So that's the part I'm going to, I'm going to get annoyed with. I can't wait. Go ahead. <laughs> the other part of it is like, I have it on pretty like good authority that, that David Johnson and his family sit down with Chris Mack this year, the doctor about kind of a plan about his pro aspirations and okay. where they could go to get there, whether it's the end of the season or the end of next year. So maybe the, the other part of that is playing him at the two guard. Maybe people want to see him play that role. You know, it's never really going to hurt to have a guy that can play multiple positions at the NBA, because I think David could be a point guard or a two guard in the league. I think it's probably better to be a point guard, but I think he could play both. So to, to add that diversity and variety to your game, is not going to be a bad thing. No, that's it's it's definitely it's definitely fascinating, and I'm glad you dropped that nugget. Not, 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 it's not something to to be super surprised with. I think, I think David Johnson, yeah, not a huge thing. He he has the most to gain out of this season, you know. Like mm-hmm. it, definitely, you know. I think he's, you know, we, we I joke all the time about Sam Williamson and and all that, and and him being you know the biggest prospect. But I, I think a, a really good season definitely benefits David Johnson the most and gives him the opportunity to be a, a borderline, if not definite lottery pick, late lottery pick. Um, so very, right. very interested in, in, in how that works. And, and, and again, this is a conversation we're going to have several times. Uh, do, let's talk really quickly about Jalen Withers because 
I think, you know, obviously he, he was, you know, the MVP of this last game, but I think just in general, we, we talked about it last week. There was so much buzz and, and Chris Mack was talking about it. You know, it was like Jalen Withers practice. He looks great in practice. looks so well, he, he was working so well and we're really starting to see it. You know, we, we're going to talk about the freshman for sure, but we're really starting to see it from Jalen initially. And, I just love how dynamic he is. You know, the fact that he can step out, you know, he's, he's only two right. five from three, but he has, he has a shot. He has like a, a shot. That's like, it looks athletically not, you know, people joke like pure, but like the mechanics work better than 85 to 90% of big men you see. Um, and I think he's done a really good job of stepping into this role that he clearly was not supposed to step into right away. Um, I, I have a feeling Chris Mack probably wants him to play more four than, than, than five, you know, throughout the entire year. Um, but I've just been, especially even how, you know, he's drawn a ton of fouls, drawing 5.1 fouls, getting to the line, um, you know, very good, you know, in, in, in 20.5% defensive rebound rate so far. Um, and, and just, he seems like he has definitely been the biggest recipient of the, of the pick and roll with, with Carly Jones. Um, so I'm very excited to see sort of what he's done. Is there any, any, any other observations you have about him or, or things you've noticed? No, I think you're right. He's, he's caught, I think from David Johnson, he's got like six passes and buckets. And I think from Carly, maybe like nine or 10. Um, so definitely the biggest recipient of that, but yeah, I think just his diversity um, and you know how he can pretty much score from anywhere on the floor. Um, I think he's really good defensively too. He yes. makes some mistakes, but he's super active. Um, that's something I picked up a lot. I think the first game is just how quick, they're, they're kind of the lateral speed that mobilizes on the floor defensively. They're really fast. Um, and they're really, they, they look really good and like really concise on defense. And he's the big reason of that. Um, so I've been surprised by that. Um, as far as him, you know, having that huge game, I was happy to see it because I, I think I needed to see it. We all knew that he was capable of doing something like that, but regardless who the opponent was, going and dropping 20 and nine was really nice to see because, you know, it's like, it, it, it's actualized. <laughs> so it was cool. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, he's, he's a guy, you know, Dre Davis and, and, and JJ trainer have been fantastic, but um, for a guy that was redshirted at the beginning of last season and, you know, people thought that was going to be Quinn Solzinski who's going to be redshirted. I was like, Oh man, Jalen Withers must really not be what we thought he was going to be. And he's, he's, he's kind of showed up in a way and and he's become the third guy out of that class uh, pretty quickly. And, and, and that's been really cool to say, um, before we get to listener questions, let's really quickly talk about WKU because Chris (laughs) thinks Chris has, has told me several times, even though he's saying he's, he's going to tell you right now, he feels better about it, but he's told me several times in the past week that we're going to lose to Western Kentucky. And I would like him to correct. I would like him to explain. Um, they have the biggest advantage floor, I think, <laughs> which is Charles Bassey against any, any of the little big man. I do like what made me feel a little bit better, better about it is because I thought this team was like really soft. Um, yes. and I still kind of think they're soft, but the play, the plays they made down the stretch, uh, against Seton Hall made me feel better about that. Absolutely. The big rebound that JJ trainer grabbed the bounce, the, the, the put back that he had just kind of gutting that one out made me feel better. 
but there still is a situation in the back of my head that can see Charles Bassey, you know, having 29 and 12 tomorrow and Louisville not really being able to do much about it because they don't have the the size in there to combat. I am extremely, extremely, extremely interested to see how Chris Mack approaches this game. We saw him tinker around with um, different lineups against Prairie View that he didn't play in the first two games. He had, you know, he had Jalen Weathers, Dre Davis, and Aiden all on the floor together, um, which is the biggest lineup that you could possibly have right <laughs> yep. now. So I kind of was maybe like, you know, you know, prep for this game. Here's um, what we might. Or I don't might think not it would ever that. happen. Yeah, I don't think it would ever happen. But maybe he throws, you know, a few plays of his own. At, at Western Kentucky, Ooh. it's always a good way to kind of hide your 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 size difference. Um, but I, I don't think that's ever going to happen because it's Chris Mack and Chris Mack wants to play pack line defense and you know whatever. But yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. I think it's these are the games that are kind of fun because everyone knows that there's a perceived advantage for Western Kentucky. Everyone knows that the coaches know that. So so what happens now? What are the counters to that? Um, I, I'm really curious to see. It's going to be, it's going to be fascinating. You're absolutely right. You know, you know, Charles Bassey is, is going to be one of the toughest, um, centers, uh, big men that the, they play all year. Um, you know, the trade, the, the, the story today was that Tavion Hollingsworth is, it sounds like he was a game time decision is sort of what I, what we were, we were hearing from Stansbury. I, I don't see him not playing, um, but he's definitely sounds like it's yeah. not going to be a hundred percent. Um, and, and I think he's, he's almost as big a part, you know, almost as big a part of this uh, as, uh, you know, as Bassie is, you know, he's playing 59% of the time. Um, for or 59 percent of the time at, at, at the two for them um outside of that there's not been a ton going on i know carson carson williams was the transfer right it came in for them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um he was at northern um maybe am i thinking of mcknight no no, no mcknight's the, the the freshman um so I, I I don't know outside of that that there's a ton there's a ton of Louisville's going to be super worried about. It's going to be that link up play between the two. Um, yeah, and they just have a lot of guys that they you know play their roles and and do smart things and don't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I, I think um, you know they don't play excellent defense so far. You know they've they've allowed you know opponents are shooting forty seven point nine percent from three on them. Um, you know they they don't really turn the ball over a ton. I'm really interested in seeing how you know if louisville's length can be a factor for them even though it didn't really seem to be for memphis um but i think maybe some of that lateral quickness that you're talking about especially against bassy you know getting the ball into him and maybe if hollingsworth isn't 100 percent um that could that could be interesting um yeah well i mean uh, another thing sorry you just no please please Another thing that I've always kind of noticed with Virginia a lot, who who plays, you know, that pack line defense, obviously, is they they constantly double the big, not really on the touch, but after like a dribble. I I do wonder if Mac hasn't really liked to do that in the past, but maybe that's another thing you see them do against Bassey is kind of throw some doubles at him. Because even Memphis, I haven't seen, I didn't watch much of the... uh, the West Virginia game, but I watched the entire Memphis game and I never really, really saw them throw any doubles at him. So maybe they do, they do that. I I, I don't know. 
No, it will be, it will be interesting if they try and double him. I, I think I think that zone part of it is is what I'm most interested in. Um, you know, yeah. seeing seeing if they play some of that on them because I I could definitely see that happening. Um, they've not been they've not been very good from three uh, so far this season. You know, they're only shooting 31. percent But uh, you know. We'll see, but I, you know, Louisville opens up as a five-point favorite. Um, as of right now, uh, Ken Palm says they'll win by seven points, seventy-four percent chance. Um, but I can't. I don't know. I, I'm not gonna. It, this season's been so weird so far. I'm not. I'm not gonna take a Ken Palm uh, projection <laughs> to, to to mean too much for for several weeks. Um, I don't know, maybe the, the travel, you know, the Western Kentucky just now getting to this bubble, maybe that has some kind of impact that could be, you know, um, something. And it's, it's going to be interesting. I think, I think Western Kentucky, they always play us hard, you know, so I'm not really expecting it to be a blowout in any way, shape or form, but I think this is, this is the biggest test for, for those, the, the, the three we've been talking about Jalen Withers, JJ trainer, Dre Davis, how can they handle Bassey? And um, it could be bad. (laughs) You're right. I I can, I can definitely see that 29 points, 14 rebounds. I can hundred percent see it. Uh, I mean, yeah, but, but the opportunity is huge. You know, you win this, and you can beat UNC Greensboro and you go to Wisconsin undefeated. That's that turns into what is that game on Tuesday? I'm going to look it up real quick. Uh, I have it right here. Hold on. Uh, no, it's a Wednesday, Wednesday, December the 9th. Okay. It's the six fifteen game. So it's what's six fifteen my time, eight fifteen your time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that turns into a pretty big game at that point that turns exactly. into a ESPN blockbuster game. That's being promoted throughout the country. Um, so it, it's a, it's a really big opportunity. Louisville can knock these, these next two games out. They go to Wisconsin with tons of confidence with everything to get. Um, so I, it's exciting, man. We're getting into that, that part of the schedule where you learn a lot about, uh, learn a lot about this team where they can lose every game they play. Um, so it, it's, it's fun, man. I'm ready for it to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. You guys, you know, yeah. conference game, NC state, things like that coming up. It, it's exciting. Say what you will about, you know, what, what COVID has done to the, the scheduling process, but you know, shout out to, to, to Chris Mack and, and to, to Vince Tyree and everyone at UofL for, for getting Seton Hall, Western Kentucky and UNC Greensboro, three quality non-conference opponents um, into mm-hmm. this event. Um, you know, I think those are all teams that definitely will be in the mix for the tournament. Um, you know, UNC Greensboro is, is, is definitely going to be a factor in the Southern conference. So, you know, all, all good teams. So I'm, I'm excited to see in UNC Greensboro already has, um, already has a pretty, you know, a decent, I'm sorry. They've only played little rock. I thought they had played someone else. Um, yeah. I thought they had too. They played Perry view tomorrow. I'm looking at it right now. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Projected to be second. I mean, they're projected to be second in the, in this, in the Southern conference by Ken Palm. So they're going to be a factor there. Um, be interesting. It'll be super interesting. Let's get to, but do you have anything else to say, uh, Chris? No, before? man. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm just excited to see how the, the whole kind of approach around Bassie goes. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I would, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not going to be shocked. The, the only result I think that would genuinely shock me is a blowout just in either way. I, I think it's just going to be a really close game. Yep. I, I would agree with you there. Okay. We've got a couple listener questions. Uh, thanks for everyone sending them in. And you know, if you have any, we'll, we'll answer them whenever, if you just want to send it to them, <laughs> we'll do it. 
Uh, let's start with uh, Little Nut Rodney, who said has a few questions, and we can we can we can roll through them pretty quick. Which we we kind of answered this one already. Does playing off ball this much limit DJ ceiling? I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think it does. I think it you know shows. If you're talking about his like ceiling and like the pro game, I think it just kind of shows another aspect of his game. That's me. Definitely, I, I, I would agree. I, I would agree. Um, what player is the most important for Louisville to reach its ceiling? You can take a crack at that one if you want to first. Uh, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to say it's Malik Williams because I'm concerned about Malik <laughs> Williams's health long term, and I think this team's this team isn't going to make it to the second round of the tournament without a healthy Malik Williams. Yeah. And I, I say that being really excited for these young guys, but I just, I think that level of defensive toughness is something they'll miss during some of these games. So I think that they need it. I would say Jalen Withers. Okay. Um, if he can continue to be a guy that's going to be able to get seven, eight rebounds a game. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of different things. You, I could pick a few guys. I could pick, uh, we have a question about Quinn down here and, and I'll kind of come back to it then, but I could pick a guy like Quinn Zizinski. If he becomes yeah. a reliable outside shooter, he opens up the floor for a lot of dudes. Um, so it would probably be one of those guys for me. What is the best five? I think that's exciting thing. This team is probably his okay. answer. No, definitely. I, I think so. I, it's not, it's not, you know, it's yeah. not one specific thing. So I, I definitely, definitely agree with you. Uh, what is the best five right now, which I think we can probably, I think we could probably narrow that question down specifically to who are your, your front court starters, which I, I don't know that unfortunately with how bad the, 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 you know, the injuries have been, I'm not sure that there's much option. Um <laughs> Who starts for if if who starts for the front court for you tomorrow? Who's who's your ideal three, four, five at this point? Um, as far as the the three, I think it it's less important. Um, I think it's probably going to be Quinn Szynski. Um, I would like to see for games like tomorrow and for as long as that Sammy Williamson and Midland are going to be out. I would like to see that that Aiden um, Jalen Weathers lineup to see if it can be productive. It could be a nightmare, um, but mm-hmm. I do think it has decent size. And, you know, I, I like Dre Davis. that he makes a lot of big plays. He could even play more minutes, um, but just coming out of the gate, I would kind of like to see that to, to set the tone a little bit early. If it can be, you know, you can get some boards and, and kind of set a tone early, but what would be it's, 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 it's a weird question right now because I think it's a weird question too. I think it's, it's hard with the injuries to, to really, to really lay that out. But by tournament time, what would you be your ideal starting five? Rodney's also asking. Um, it would probably be, you know, by tournament time, it would probably be Carly, Carly at the one, David Johnson at the two, Sam at the three, Weathers at the four, Malik Williams at the five. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think if either Withers or JJ trainers at the four, that is a huge deal. That, that if, if one of them is there instead of Miniland, I, I think that means that they've made a big leap and that's probably the best version of this team is you're going to need one of those guys to be big. I think Miniland, you know, it, I, we haven't seen a ton of him, but you know, I, I'm a little concerned long-term, you know, if he, if he's, if he's the guy you're looking to at the four in March, you know, how good is this team? 
is, is, yeah. is a question it, it, that remains to be answered. Totally agree with you there. Uh, last one from Rodney. Can Withers hold down the five in ACC play, or will this team have to let Aiden play through the warts? This good is one, the, the this is a really good question. Um, because if there was some way that you could bank, you know, four wins a few months from now, I would say go ahead and let Aiden <laughs> play at the five. Yeah. Because you want him to gain that experience. And I Definitely. think you know, him going through these growing pains right now is probably the best version of this team. But I just got through saying that every game that they play now, they can lose. Um, so I don't know how much risk you're going to take. Like tomorrow, <laughs> like, I, like I just said, like I would like to see Aiden play with, with Weathers on the floor because I think you're going to need that size. But if it doesn't work out very well, you may have to pull him pretty quick with the hook and be like, you know, let's put Weathers at the five, move all around and try to spread these dudes out um, and, and see what we can do from there. But I don't have a direct answer. I'm just going to be noncommittal here. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do think like in an ideal world, Aiden would play at the five. He'd have a few bad games. And then after that, a light bubble cook on and you could play him there for the rest of the season until Malik Williams got healthy, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. What do you say? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm still pretty concerned about long-term Aiden and, and, and even in general, I'm super concerned. Yeah. And I think even the fact that he, it took him so long to get into the game was a big red flag for me about what the team thinks about him. Um, you know, what, not, not what they think about him, but, but how confident Mac is in him. Um, that's a concern for me. And I don't know if that's going to change quickly, you know, um, it just, I don't, I don't know. He, he was, he, athleticism I think can only get you so far and um, it doesn't seem like he's been able to to 100% put it together and 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 I know there was some kind of rumbles that maybe some of the the wither stuff was to get Aiden to to you know maybe try and figure something out in practice because he was getting beat by withers was the word in practice just nonstop. So but I, I mean, know. right now, right now, JJ trainers over him in the rotation. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and, and, and Dre I mean, Davis and Dre Davis. And, and you're looking at a guy in Chris Mack who doesn't want to play freshman. I mean, yeah. he didn't play. Look how long it took him to play David Johnson last year. So when that's happening, he's throwing JJ trainer, you know, it's worked out. Um, JJ has been fine. Um, but when that happened to me, that was like extreme low alarm bills. It's like, he's playing this dude before Aiden. There's, there's some stuff going on there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I hope he figures it out, but he's only been in for 19.2% of the minutes so far this season. That's, that's not a lot. Yeah. That's not a lot. Um, on to red army U of L. He asks, would you say Quinn or Q for short? has exciting potential to be actualized in a card jersey or in other words, would you say that the storm is coming? <laughs> Shout out. Shout out to Q. Um, um, you want to go, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think the thing is that 
it has to be this, the one thing about this team and, and knowing Louisville fans, this is, this is going to piss them off this season is they're shooting 29.8% from three. And there's nothing Louisville fans love than a white guy coming in and, and knocking down some threes. <laughs> and, and I think if Louisville loses games, you know, if they lose to Virginia tech, if they lose, you know, to NC state, if they lose some of these kind of upper mid table ACC games, um, it's, it's going to bother fans that they're not hitting threes, that they're not shooting up threes. So it's just been so much a part of the Louisville identity for so long. So I think, as you mentioned, Quinzelzinski's role to me is all about how effective he's going to be from three. He's only two of 11 from three right now. That's, that's not good. <laughs> that's not, um, you know, Jalen Withers has been more effective. Um, you know, Carly Jones has been more effective. You'd love to, you'd love to see David Johnson, you know, you know, be able to do some. So well, it remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. Um, but I, I think you're you're right in what you said earlier. Um, what he does from the outside is big. Um, is a big part of it. Yeah, and I mean, it's you know, even if it's not necessarily you know, you want him make the shot, but just that threat of him yeah. being able to shoot that um, changes a lot of things. I think there's you can mark this down that I think there's going to be a game this season that Quinn Szczynski loses for Louisville. <laughs> but I think you could also mark it down that he's probably going to win a game for Louisville yeah. at some point this year, whether yeah. it's a buzzer beater or whatever. Like he's, he, he was on the dude beginning the season. He's impressed me. He's, he's doing a lot of things. Like he, he has kind of a natural knack. He can get to the bat basket. He certainly doesn't lack any defense, um, but he's going to have to walk that rope of, the same tightrope that Russ Smith had to walk of, you know, I can be this crazy and make these great plays, but it never needs to get out of control. He came in against Evansville and he like threw that pass behind the back and it was like way over <laughs> Jalen Withers head. And I'm like, that's All the right. tightrope right there. <laughs> you, like, okay. Just, chill just, out. <laughs> the more you cut that stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's probably the most exciting player on this team because I think he has the biggest like air room where he can grow and the jump he can take. I think like the, the ceiling for him is really, really exciting. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to reach it, but if he does, it would be really cool to watch. It definitely would be really cool to watch. And, um, you know, it, 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 it remains to be seen, but, but I, I think that's, that's good for answer. Um, married man online, a uh, good buddy. Uh, he's got, what's the status of big Sam season? And as you know, Big Sam's been hurt. Um, I, it hurt me. I was, I was, I was real bummed. And uh, when, when the tweet came out that um, that Fred Hino went up to 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 Mac and Mac just like threw his thing on the ground, I was like, oh, he just like, I, I was like Achilles, you know. I was just like, because it, it was obviously something <laughs> wrong with his foot. I was like Achilles. We just lost Sam for yeah. eleven months, and. Um, then someone was like, Oh, it looked like it was his toes. Like, and they're like, okay, his toe, it's something wrong with his foot. It's like, okay, shoot. That sucks. That's no good. Um, but, uh, you know, we're still here for big Sam season. Uh, it, it's a bummer that it started with injury stuff, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. I'm not, he, he looked so good in that first game, Chris, he looked so good in that first game and it didn't look like he, he was really hurting. good against Seton Hall too. He looked really good against Seton Hall that limited time, you know, um, 
man, I was, I, I was, I was super bummed. And uh, I think his presence is really going to be missed tomorrow night. And I think if Louisville loses, you'll be able to point to that pretty, pretty successfully. Yeah. He was two for two um, from, you know, two, two for three, two for three um, from the field missed it. I'm not uh, shot he made. Go ahead. I'm not trusting Chris Mack injury reports the rest of the season. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I am not trusting a guy's coming back until he plays because like, like Josh Nickelberry has been day to day for at least a month now. Um, he's supposed to, he was supposed and, to be yeah. close and did not seem like he was. So uh, him and him and John Calipari are in the same wavelength of the injury reports. Um, I, I saw that there was news today that Keon Brooks may be a few more weeks away. And I know that like a week ago, it was like a weak injury. Um, so oh, yeah, Sam will come back when he's ready to play, I guess. I, I, I think our, our projection of coming back for Wisconsin is the best one though. I'd be, I'd be pretty I think shocked. Pretty spot he, on. I think I, I'd be shocked if he plays this week. Uh, last question from, from uh married man. Um, who on this team has the highest ceiling and why is it JJ trainer? <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let, I'll let the Bardstown high school, high school legend. Um, the Bardstown legend think- over there. I think people see it in JJ trainer because he's so long. Um, he can guard multiple positions. I think he can probably at some point in his career, develop an outside shot. He doesn't have that in his game right now. Um, but I think just the variety of the ways he can score and the positions that he can guard is probably what makes you look at him and be like, Oh my God, this guy's Kevin Durant, like, or, or, or something <laughs> like that. Like it, it excites you because of, of what you can see. If he just gains 25 pounds, you can easily see him just being a dominant force. He has the Ross. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. I think like, as far as a guy who has like the biggest room to grow, though, I actually do think it's Quinn Zizinski. Hmm. I don't know that Quinn Zizinski is ever going to be a pro, but I, I think he can be a very good college player at some point i don't think he's there yet um but i think if he can become a guy the reason why i say that is because i think he is the type of guy that can shoot in the same neighborhood of ryan man but he also has a way to get to the basket that ryan man didn't have so even if you're not as good as a shooter as him people have to respect that shot then it opens up other parts of your game um so i think quinn actually has a bigger room to grow than JJ trainer. I think as far as like, if you want to look at guys that are pros, JJ trainer could very well be the best pro on this entire team. I would even go that. I mean, that's, that's kind of a little bit far fetched, but I would go that far. I would, I would make that leap. I don't think, I don't think it's a ridiculous leap. I, I, I think, I think he definitely, he has, you know, the raw skills he he has some of the the raw skills that we've been that we would look for out of guy you know of, of, of in his position and he just does especially you know just just coming into that kind of a game you know it, it's it's not every freshman that can do that the, the even the ones with the, the the raw talent the top 10 talent they don't just come into games like that and have that awareness that's not that's not you know that's a different kind of talent that he clearly has and i'm very very excited to see it grow and i would agree with you i think i, I think so far um what I've seen out of this season specifically, he definitely has the high ceiling. Um, very excited. Sounds like it's not going well for Kevin Willard right now. Um, people are, are, are joking around, but uh, I don't I, have the score. Yeah, in front I, had of me. To lie, I had to laugh, but 
I had the live bet Iona went to win the game. The moment I saw that, it was even relatively close. <laughs> the Gales are up thirty-seven to twenty-eight right now. So uh, good, good for them. Good for them. Um, anything else to cover before we close this thing down, Chris? I lost you right there. Oh wow! Can you hear me? Absolutely. Uh, anything, yeah, I think we cut out a little bit here. Dude. I did. I did. <laughs> anything else you want to cover before we we close this thing out? No, man. Um, like I said, I'm just I'm amped. I'm really excited that basketball's here. Um, and it's probably going to be the best like stretch of games coming up. So I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, the, tomorrow night, of course, is is going to be interesting. We've got the 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 two big games. Um, Duke and, and Michigan State and then uh Kansas and 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 Kentucky. Um any any uh any particular things you're looking for outside of Louisville in the, this week? Any any interesting moments? I, I thought IU looked really good today. I wanted to say that. No, I thought they looked really good too. I thought um a lot of people may have not even watched the game, but I watched quite a bit of Houston, Texas Tech, and I thought Houston looked really, really good. I, I didn't um, yeah, I didn't get a chance to see that one. <laughs> beating a Texas tech team early in the season is never an easy task. I'm interested to see what Kentucky looks like against Kansas tomorrow. Um, because I do think that these are the type of games that Kentucky tends to win. Um, yeah. but they looked really bad against Richmond. <laughs> like they looked really bad in stretches. That entire second half was pretty much a blur for them. Um, offensively, especially. So I'm, I'm very curious how that game goes. Yeah, we got three huge games tomorrow. Texas Indiana is, is actually the number one game on Ken Palm's fan match tomorrow, which is funny because mm-hmm. it's at one thirty in the afternoon. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, IU IU looked pretty pretty good. Uh, you know, love to see Christian Lander playing nine minutes. You know, congrats, bro. <laughs> Literally would be playing like fifteen for Louisville right now. Yeah, Christian Lander, Courtney Ramey for for Texas had what, a big it was bucket today. It was cool. Yeah. Quite a day. Uh, Christian Lander. Oh, for three, uh, today. So <laughs> you hate to see that, you know, good luck yeah. to that young man. Uh, Ray Thompson. It's just, you know, where'd he come from? I don't know. People are talking about him today. I've never heard of the name until today. So there you he, go. yeah, he only played like 20% of the minutes last year. So interesting. Um, I think we'll close it out with that. We will be back. Uh, we'll definitely do something next week before the Wisconsin game, sort of keep this uh, thing and, and look out, we're going to write something. I said, I, I, I went on vacation. I said, I was going to write something. Uh, I'll probably wait for, for Western Kentucky now that it's tomorrow and maybe we'll, we'll get something out there. So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so subscribe to the Substack cause everyone's got Substack now. That's funny. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Have a good one.